0: Song of Solomon chapter number 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 2. Song of Solomon, I visited this particular passage of scripture almost exactly a year ago. And I'll, uh, I've revisited this, I've restudied it, God burdened me Friday morning. God showed me what he wanted me to speak on today. And I've, uh, I've meditated on this. I sought the Lord down in the Sunday school room before the service began. I know this is the message of the hour. But it's scary because it's a scary message. Today I'm not the least bit interested in uh, trying to do some emotional thing to pull you to an altar because that won't fix your problem. I'm not the least bit interested this morning in playing foolish, silly little religious games. It does not bother me how many times you come to this altar. It don't bother me how many prayers you pray or how many times you're baptized. Until you know that you know that you've had that life-changing experience of the new birth. You better be tender to a holy God. Yeah. They ain't right. never a man, woman, boy, girl ever went to hell trusting Jesus. Right. And it don't bother me. See, salvation's work. And I watch folks, and I, I want to be tender with you. I want you to know it's okay. Yeah. If you come to this altar and you pray and folks can shout and hoop and holler and do whatever they want to do, but the first time I ever made a false profession at 12 years old, I knelt at the altar, I prayed, I did everything I knew to do. I got up, there was a burden lifted, but I wasn't saved. I had the monkey off my back. I've been to the altar. Everybody around me snorted and cried and shouted and had a big time. And I didn't get a thing. But the next morning, on Friday morning... I knew just as much as I knew my name was what it was, I knew I had not been saved. I knew there was no change on the inside. And I wish somebody had had enough sense then to have made it easy for me. But I won't make it as easy as I can make it for you. The Holy Ghost of God wants to make it as easy as it can be for you to get in and get some help. And there's no folks around here that's had God move on them and tenderize their hearts that if you want some help, you can get some help. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 2. You hear the voice of the Shulamite girl. One of the most unusual books in the Word of God. One of the most mysterious books in the Word of God. A love story. In this book, you'll find 49 Hebrew words that you won't find in any other place in the authorized King James Bible. It's a love story about Solomon and how Solomon came and found this Shulamite girl that was a nobody and a nothing and a dresser of the vineyards and he rescued her. And they say of all of the hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines that Solomon had that theologians believe and I firmly believe there was one true love that he had, it was this girl. And you see a picture inside of this book of God dealing with his wife, the nation of Israel. You see a picture of Christ dealing with the church, his bride. And you see a picture of the Holy Ghost dealing with a sinner. Unfortunately, in this passage of Scripture, the sinner misses their opportunity. Verse number 2, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. You hear the voice of her lover, as he said, For my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. She answers him in verse 3 and she said, I put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him... But I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me, and they smoked me, and they wounded me. And the keepers of the wall took away my veil from me. And I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I'm sick of love This morning, by the help and power of the Holy Ghost, I want to revisit this portion of Scripture and bring out some things that I don't believe that I've ever been able to really bring out in this message, in this place. But if the Lord have helped me today, I want to talk to you this morning about the danger of saying no to the Holy Ghost. I've dealt with this and I've seen this time and time again. I saw this again about 8.30 on Friday morning when a precious soul came to know God in our living room floor. And I hear this over and over again. I hear people say, God let me know this was my last chance. Uh This was the last opportunity that I was ever going to have. You say, how in the world would God do it? Why would God let somebody know that? I believe God lets folks know when they push that thing to the very limit and they get to the spot, God will stop a man dead in his tracks and God will say, if you don't obey, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'll never deal with you again. I'm through You You say, is that scriptural? Oh yes, that's scriptural. When she said, I sleep, she talks about the fallen condition of man. Why this morning is it so very important for the Holy Ghost of God to be dealing with somebody? I was, uh, I've been in different situations, religious situations, and listened to different men, uh, so-called men of God and pastors talk even in these last few days and last few weeks. And somehow or another, I'm absolutely, absolutely certain that all over this county and all over the world today, men are convinced that salvation is saying a prayer. Men are convinced that it's just just, it's just saying, Jesus saved me, and that's all there is to it. It's kind of like they think the whole world is under conviction, and God's just sitting on the edge of the throne, just dying for somebody to even say his name. But I'm telling you what, that's not the way it is this morning. She said, I sleep. That word sleep is a picture of the fallen condition of man. And this morning, it's absolutely impossible for any man, woman, boy, or girl to approach God without the aid of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey, that's why our church is set full of lost people today. They've not had a visitation of the Holy Ghost. There's not been enough of the power of God to blow your nose. And folks, is sit around lost because they have not had the Holy Ghost of God to ever draw them to the side of Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter number 12 the word of God says lest there be any fornicator or any profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright and the word of God says for you know how that afterward when he would have received the blessing he was rejected for he found no place of repentance Though he sought it carefully with tears. This morning the human intellect is not enough to get you to God. This morning, human emotions are not enough to get you to God. You can cry an ocean of tears and drown in it and still go to hell. If the Holy Ghost of God is not leading you to the Lamb of God, human emotions will not fix your problem. And today, multitudes fill altars in Baptist churches. And they're afraid of going to hell and they hear puppy dog stories and about grandma teaching angels how to see and in a flood of human emotions they make volitional decisions to trust Christ and they'll die and go to hell because they've never been born of the spirit of God your human emotions can't fix your problem and Esau wet bitter tears and it did not fix his problem there was no place of repentance but then the word of God said after she said I sleep she said my heart waketh It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh saying open to me my sister my love my dove my undefiled thank God for old time raw Holy Ghost conviction I mean Mount Sinai conviction it puts the fear of God where they can't sleep and they think they're going to pass out if they don't get some help. Thank God for the day God came by and knocked on my heart's door and woke me up out of my sleepy condition. And listen folks is going to hell from Baptist Church all over this county today and not over the Holy Ghost to wake them up. Praise God, have clowns and puppets and foolishness in the pulpit. Speakers stacked up to the top of the building, give them rock and roll music and hot dogs and pizza, but they'll never wake them up until the Holy Ghost of God does it. He does that through preaching, by the way. God, the Holy Ghost, gets that seed planted in a man or a woman's heart through preaching. And then after that seed's been planted, it don't matter where you're at. You could be beside of your bed. You could be in front of the couch at the preacher's house. You could be riding down the road in an automobile. God, the Holy Ghost could get a hold of you and yank your cord. You could get saved by the grace of God. I thank God. Hey, listen, I'm not going to put God in a box and say you've got to get saved in here in this altar. There's some people that are going to have to get saved in this altar because God ain't going to save you no place else. Because I've heard folks, and I've heard this over and over, and I heard it again this week. And people said they knew they were lost for a year for a year they carried that burden and knowing that they really was not right with God and they'd try to fix it theirself. hey that's what human intellect does that's what human emotions does tries to fix it theirself. try to get along in the bedroom and say a little prayer and never really have to deal with it the way God wants them to deal with it this morning but she said my heart waketh I believe God's beginning to wake up some folks this morning and He's dealt with some hearts and He's beginning to trouble some individuals. And you talk about the heart waking and you talk about the conviction. The convicting power of God comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit this morning, the sweet, sweet, blessed Holy Spirit is more tender than the most tender child in this room today. He can be grieved. He can be offended. He is the one individual in the Trinity. He is the one individual to whom a man can sin a sin that the Word of God says can never be forgiven in this life or the world to come. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark. Chapter number 3. Mark chapter number 3, you see a situation where religious individuals have seen a work of God. They've seen the moving of God. And in seeing this, they begin to attribute to Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the work that was done of the Holy Ghost of God. If God, the sweet Holy Ghost, begins to knock on your heart's door this morning, you stand in a very dangerous position to say, that's the devil bothering me. You listen to what this book says in Mark chapter 3 verse 28. The Word of God says, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But... He that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Ghost? It literally means to evil or ill entreat the Holy Ghost. It literally means to be mean to the Holy Ghost of God. And the Word of God says that a man can so offend the sweet Spirit of God that God would turn his back on that man and never under any circumstance ever speak to him ever again. She said, it's the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me. And you notice right away that she knew who it was that was knocking on her door. She didn't have to call Mama and say, Mama. Is this God dealing with me? She didn't have to call her preacher and try to get some comfort. She knew as soon as he knocked, she knew who it was that was dealing with her. It was the Holy Ghost of God. God speaks in a still small voice, but God speaks in a way that when he speaks, you know who it is. Now you can lie to yourself, your heart can lie to your conscience and can lie to your mind and you can try to figure it away and explain it away but deep down on the inside when the sweet Holy Ghost of God knocks on your door, He does not do that in vain. When He speaks, you know who's talking. Then you see her response to Him and the offense. And it breaks my heart as this young Shulamite girl says, I've put off my coat. How shall I put it on? And what she said literally was, why are you bothering me? Can you not see I'm comfortable where I am? Can you not see I'm comfortable working with the youth and teaching in Sunday school and singing in the choir? God, I give my tithes and I do the best I can. Why would you bother me? God, can you not see I'm comfortable? I've taken off my coat. How shall I put it on? And she says, It's going to trouble me if I have to put my coat back on and go to the door. God, why would you trouble me? Why would you bother me like that? Why don't you just leave me alone? And she said, I've put off my coat. How shall I put it on? The Word of God says that she said, I've washed my feet. How shall I defile them? In washing her feet, she said, I've gone through the religious moves already. I've tried this religion thing. I went to an altar. I cried tears. I got up and hugged everybody's neck and said I got saved and even went to the baptizing hole. I've done that already. I've tried to clean up and I've stopped cussing and I've stopped listening to my hip hop music and I've stopped doing this or stopped doing that and I don't slip around and get Jack Daniels anymore. And I don't watch that foolishness on television. No, more. I've straightened up. I've done better. I've washed my feet. And she said, how shall I defile them? what she said was that if I get out of this bed and come open that door, I'm going to have to defile my religious feet. I'm going to defile my little profession I made when I was a kid. If I come to the altar, I'm going to defile my office in the church. If I come to the altar, I'm going to defile what all I've done. Today, I've told you over and over again, I'm about to tell you one more time. The most difficult individuals in all of the world to ever bring to Christ are the religious of our society. And I pondered that and I believe God, the Holy Ghost, has answered that question for me. If you look in the Word of God in Matthew chapter number 12, verse number 43, I believe we'll see this morning why the religious are so difficult to reach. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 43, the Word of God said, When the unclean spirit, that's a demon or a devil, is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I'll return unto my house from whence I came out. What's he talking about? He's talking about somebody straightening up, doing better, and chasing the devils out of their body by doing better. Religious good deeds, getting around the things of God, getting around holy things, and straightening up and sweeping and cleaning up their act and doing better. And when a man does that, the demons can leave him. The devils can leave him. You say, brother, I don't believe in all that demon stuff. You're deaf, numb, blind, and stupid. Right. Most folks don't even realize part of what's going on when the relief comes. When somebody gets born of the Spirit of God, is when God, the Holy Ghost, comes in and takes up residence and binds the strong man and kicks the devil out of you. Boy, I tell you what, that's real today. Amen. I mean, it's real. I know when it happened. I know where I sat when God took up residence in my heart. But do want you to look what this book says. The Word of God says, Then he said, I will return into my house. From whence I came out and when he has come, he findeth it empty. That means the Holy Ghost ain't there. They just got religion instead of getting saved. Findeth it empty. And swept and garnished. What's that mean? They cleaned up. That's what the Word of God says. Then goeth he, the demon, the devil, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. I'm reading you from the King James Bible this morning. The Word of God says that men who straighten up and do right and do better, if they're not careful, they'll find themselves in a position where they'll be worse off than they were when they started, when they fool around with God and the holy things of God. i tell you what, today the world is full of folks that's full of religious demons. It ain't unusual to go in church services and see folks shouting, hoop, and hollering, swinging from the chandeliers and tearing the building down. But they ain't got God in them. It's a religious spirit that's on them. They'll stand up and testify and weep tears and sling snot and wave their arms and hoop and holler. And they'll die and go to hell because they've never been born again. Because on the inside of them resides religious demons then you see the human pride and she said I don't want to defile my feet and pride of damn multitudes the Word of God says these six things doth the Lord hate yea, seven are an abomination unto him and the first one of those seven abominations is a proud look do you believe for one minute the sweet Lord Jesus The tender, sweet, humble Lamb of God would come take on a body of flesh and live as a mortal man on this planet, be treated the way He was treated, be defiled the way He was defiled and ill-treated and carry that cross and do everything that He did publicly? You think He's going to do that and let men get saved without stepping on their pride? Boy, before you ever get born of the Spirit of God, God's got to do a work in you where you don't care who's looking, you don't care who's around, you want Jesus. More than you want your pride. You want the Son of God more than you want your position. You want the Lamb of God more than you want anything. And you'd be willing to step out on pride and get an altar, and you don't care who's looking. But a man or a woman full of religious demons, Without the aid of the Holy Ghost of God, could never do it. Boy, God has to love you, bring you to that place. That's why you don't want to fool around with the Holy Ghost. And she said, "How shall I defile them?" And then after that was over with, you see her delay, and <clears throat> she begins to seek Him. And she said, "I opened to my beloved, and my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone." she said my soul failed when he spake I've sat in this building and i watched individuals and I could tell by the countenance on your face your soul had failed you look like you were suddenly struck with Holy Ghost diarrhea and your body would turn pale and white and you would look like you swallowed a refrigerator that tells me the Holy Ghost of God's run your bell that's what she said she said, my soul failed when he spake. There's no man, woman, boy, or girl that's going to stand in the presence of the voice of a holy God. And you, may stand, you may stand on the outside. You may grip the back of the pew and you may hold on and say, I'm not going. But on the inside, there's something crumbling and falling apart at the voice of God. And then the Word of God teaches us in Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 1. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You say, Brother Mike, can a man get to the place where he'd so offend God that there wouldn't be any fixing it? There wouldn't be any amount of tears that he could cry and there wouldn't be any amount of prayers he could pray that fix his problem, oh yeah. Oh yeah, you just say no to the Holy Ghost of God enough. You'll find that out. You say, Brother Mike, why is this so offensive to God? I'm going to give you three reasons that it's so offensive to God. When you look at this and you see Him begin to speak to her, number one. He said, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. When He called her sister... That is a picture of the condescension of the Lord Jesus Christ and how He was willing to take on a body of flesh, be born in a manger and live 33 and a half sinless years on this earth. And you see, the Lord Jesus Christ became a man so He could know how you feel. There's not one man, one woman, one boy, one girl sitting in this building today that's going through anything in your life but what the Lord Jesus Christ knows and feels your pain. You'll never be able to look at Christ and say, you don't understand. You'll never be able to look at God and say, God, you don't understand. You say, I'm so rejected. My heart's so broken. My Savior was rejected and His heart was broken. You say, but but they don't understand. People don't understand. Listen, my Savior was misunderstood everywhere He went. And the Lord Jesus condescended, took on a body of flesh, was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Why? So He could bear my sins and yours. Not only His... Position, but his passion. He said, My head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. You hang on right here just a minute. If you want to know why saying no to the Holy Ghost is so offensive, before he ever came to where she was, you stay with me just a minute. We're going to be through in a minute. She couldn't get to where he was, she was asleep. But while she was asleep and unconcerned for her soul or for her sin while she was asleep, he was going through the sacrificial moves in the dark of the night to get to where she was. He said, my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. That's a picture of the passion of Christ and what he went through to be able to save a sinner. This morning I couldn't begin to articulate, I don't have the vocabulary, I don't have the intellect to explain to you the crucifixion. I don't have, the, I don't have what it takes this morning to explain to you how the Lord Jesus was so ill treated how He was made fun of and mocked and beaten. The Word of God says that His beard was plucked from His face. His vestige was so marred that you wouldn't have even recognized him as being a man. Maybe you know this morning and maybe you don't know, but the Lord Jesus Christ was sped upon. The Lord Jesus Christ was stripped of his clothes. And there's no doubt in my mind this morning, when you see those Catholic pictures that show Jesus hanging on the cross and there's a little blood coming out and he's got a little loincloth on That's not my Jesus. My Jesus was beaten. My Jesus was, his probably, his face was so swollen, you probably couldn't see his eyes. My Lord Jesus was so ripped and torn and beaten and his beard plucked out and that crown of thorns pressed down on his face. And he was just a bloody mess and a bloody, just a bloody piece of meat hanging on that cross. The death of the cross is asphyxiation. Those Roman soldiers had perfected crucifixion to the point that they literally knew how much bend to put in a man's knees on the cross to keep him alive as long as they could because they liked to watch a man on the cross And the Lord Jesus Christ was on that cross with that bend in his knees. And he'd feel that pressure on his lungs. He'd feel that pressure of those muscles pulling as his arms stretched. And then a man would stand back up on his tiptoes. The Word of God says, I'm a worm. The Word of God typifies and pictures the Lord Jesus Christ as that brazen serpent in the wilderness. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, was the on that cross and he would wiggle literally wiggle up and down to try to get a breath while he was on that cross and everything that he did on that cross was because of me it was because of my sin it was because of your sin he didn't do anything wrong he never had an ugly thought but Jesus Christ went through the passion that he went through because of me and you and that's one more reason tonight One more reason why it's so offensive to say no to His Spirit. And I'll give you one more thing. We're going to go to the house. She said, My fingers drip with myrrh, sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. If you'll study the Word of God in Exodus chapter number 30, you'll find out that myrrh was the principal spice of the anointing oil that God gave them the recipe for to anoint the high priest. When she went to the door, you see the passion of Christ. You see His crucifixion. But after the Lord Jesus Christ got up out of that grave and Mary came to Him in the garden and reached for Him, He said, Touch me not. I've not yet ascended. What was the Lord about to ascend and do? He, as the great high priest, was about to take his own blood and sprinkle on the mercy seat in the tabernacle in heaven as the high priest. And the Lord Jesus Christ was anointed as a high priest. And when that girl went to the door and she fumbled with the handle of the door, when she took her hand back, it smelt like myrrh. And she had myrrh on her hands And one more reason why saying no to the Holy Ghost of God is so offensive is because He came so close. He knocked on her heart's door. It was personal. It wasn't some cosmic God. It wasn't some unseen cosmic being that nobody can really know. It was a personal Savior that came to her heart and knocked on the door. And it was so close that He literally left His aroma on the handle of the door. What a sad, sad thought to die and go to hell with the smell of the rose of Sharon on your hands when he came so close to knock on your door. And because of pride or arrogance, because of church membership or some office or some foolishness, a man or woman would say no to the Holy Ghost of God. Do you want to go to hell this morning? Would you like to go to hell this morning? I can tell you how to do that. Just do nothing. Just do nothing. That's what she did, Brother Brandon. She did nothing. She just laid there. She said, I know you're there, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to stay in the house, and I'm going to pretend you're a bill collector, and I'm just going to stay and be real quiet. That's all you got to do. But how do you go to heaven when God, the sweet Holy Ghost, rings your bell? I don't care if you've been in that altar 25 times. I don't care if we baptize you. lever tadpole in the river knows you on a first-name basis. If God knocks on your door, you need to respond when God calls you because you'll go to hell for unbelief. Unbelief comes when a man says, I won't believe it. I won't trust Him." I want you to bow your heads this morning. I've done my best today to deliver my burden. I've done my best to tell you what God told me to tell you this morning. There's folks in this building today that I believe with all my heart, God the Holy Ghost, I believe he's assured me he'll speak to you. I believe he assured me he'll call your name. You say, Brother Mike, how do I know God's calling me? You'll know. How do I know God's dealing with me? You'll know. How would you feel when you come in the presence of a holy God? Uncomfortable? Well, if you have that uncomfort this morning, He's calling. He's knocking. Are you afraid? Has He made your heart fail? I wouldn't delay this morning if God's calling, if God's speaking. I'd come to Him just as fast as I could get there. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Oh my, boy, I see trouble on faces this morning. God's dealing with you and you're struggling with this thing. Hey, there's such a relief when you quit struggling. When you let go and let God help you, you say no to the Holy Ghost long enough, one day He'll stop speaking. He left her door without warning. He left her.